Illegal Pete's has nine locations in Colorado and has even expanded into Arizona. Illegal Pete's is a proud Colorado business and serves the most delicious mission-style burritos you'll ever taste. If you show your ticket to any event here in Colorado the same day at any Illegal Pete's, you'll get a free draft beer or margarita with the purchase of an entree. And Illegal Pete's has you covered. They even have ordering online set up so you can order on your way and just come in and pick up whatever you want as well as an awesome atmosphere including sports on the television and local bands playing so you can just come hang out and have a good time just remember to get that free beer with a ticket to any event be it a concert a sporting event a convention you name it and cole gets another good righty and another right by cole a left by cole this time tipped in front by mika rentinen Shoots and scars! Nathan McKinnon! Call JT Comfer! 877 goes now! Gabriel Landeskog! Collective hugs! 29 and 92! Save me by Grubauer! Move over, Picasso! This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious! <laughs> Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. They have two convenient locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch, and these guys are locally owned and have a gigantic selection of beers, wines, and liquors. You can download their app today and sign up for their loyalty program to get great deals and even get booze delivered if you don't want to drive out to the store. They also do free tasting on weekends if you want to try that, or if you just want to stick with your favorite breck brew they have that covered as well and you can even request products to be delivered to the store if you want something specific i'm nathan rudolph he's aj hayfley we are here on the podcast today to talk about some prospects because it's well overdue time that we've done that and there are a few that are straight up destroying their leagues let's go right for the throat here and start with alex newhook who in the second half of the season has been on a single-minded mission to score on every single NCAA team that he plays against. He's the first freshman in, I think, three or four years to score 40 points and is just killing it in the second half. I believe he's on a 10-game point streak now, and he has about 19 points across those 10 games. So just been an insane second half for Newhook. It's been crazy, man. Uh, And when you say we're going to go right for the throat, I think that's more or less what new hook says every time uh, he gets on the ice is he uh he and and matt boldy got put on a line together and wild fans are feeling a lot better about matt boldy today than they were the first two months of the season yeah definitely safe to say so they figured it out quite a bit it's yeah and you know playing off of each other that's great uh the other the you know the new hook success is really encouraging but maybe the thing that is most encouraging about it is that he's not even playing on the top line right he's if he was on their third line for a while actually now yeah. realistically it's more like a second line but yeah 
it, when you score that much, that just kind of happens. So <laughs> it's just sort um, of a, a natural uh, progression where you're just like, well, if he's going to score every game, I guess we have to play him a little bit more. Yep. So some of the uh, some of the older guys uh, on the team have lost some of their ice time because the two freshmen, you know, Newhook and Boldy, have rolled in and just straight up taken it from some guys. Yep, Newhook named the NCAA or um, whichever conference he's in. I forget the conference names in the NCAA all the time. Player of the month. Um, Well-deserved, as we said, you know, 10-game point streak. I think he has a goal in all but one of those games where he just picked up a single assist. So just an absolute scoring machine with 19 goals on the season. This is a lot of people do the comparison with Newhook, right, of they don't want to rush him because of what happened with Tyson Jost. Right. There have been two really high profile college players for the Avs in the last couple of years. Uh, that took two different paths. Yep. Tyson Jost had a great freshman year. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, a very different situation than Alex Newhook is, is facing right now because Jost had a great freshman year and the Avs didn't have anybody on their roster. Right. They're, this was in the 16-17 terrible season. Yeah. At the end of it, it was very easy to just say, hey, Joe, so we can put you straight in the NHL. Right. Tyson Joe's had a point per game. I think he had 36 points in like 34 games, something like that at Notre Dame or at uh, North Dakota. I'm sorry. Yep, 35 <clears throat> and 33. Yeah, okay. So uh, he he was a point per game player and had a great freshman year. And there was a lot of questions. Will he, won't he? Should he come out? You know, and for the Avs, they were like, look, best learning experience possible for the guy is going to be in the NHL. It's the best development league in the world. And when they were when they were as bad as they were, they didn't have any expectations. All they had was ice time to offer guys. Uh, You know, you know, that was also the summer that they signed uh, Dom Toninato and Alex Kerfoot as college free agents because they could just offer opportunity because they didn't have anybody. It was very easy for them to just be like, ah, yeah, we'll just come play for the Avs. Just come play in the NHL. It's fine. And that's not the case anymore. You know, last night, you and I were having a hard time finding a place for this roster, for this forward core to keep Martin Kaut. Who's already in the NHL and scoring. <laughs> right. Who's already contributing in the NHL to a, to a playoff-bound team. And... It's not to say that you wouldn't make uh make some room for Alex Newhook. It's just to say that based on what happened with Jost and what you learned from Jost, we saw Kale McCarr, then the other high profile NCAA player that I mentioned, two years. He of course he did not have a great freshman year. He had a lukewarm freshman year and said, you know, I think I need another year, and then went out and had one of the great college seasons of any defenseman ever. And then obviously, you know, jump to the pros and he's been phenomenal. You know, I, I think it would be unfair to expect something similar of Alex Newhook, whether or not he comes out this year or next. I don't think it's fair to expect him to drop in and just be a star. Yeah. I will go very easy though, is to see his path to start as a three C get sheltered in the NHL whenever that does happen. But the thing that I think makes it a question, right? We talked about Joe's 35 points in 33 games. 
Newhook has 40 points in 32 games this season. The right. offensive talent is very, very evident there. Right. And it's it's a more explosive player. And this is the big difference is that the two players, you know, Jost and Newhook, they're very different. Yes. And with with Jost, it's a lot of subtleties in his game. You know, it's it's good shot, high IQ, really hard worker, high character, et cetera, et cetera. Lots of these things, right? With Newhook, it's not it's not to say that those characteristics don't also exist, but when you watch Newhook play, it's a different, it's a completely different animal. Newhook says, "I'm going wide on you. Try and stop me." <laughs> right, Newhook. Newhook skating would play in the NHL today. Yep. Uh, Newhook skating his. Uh, I think certainly his playmaking. Yeah. I'd like I'd like to see the shot to continue to develop. Nineteen goals this year, not having a ton of problems, but also scoring on a fair amount of breakaways. So, well, and that there's a give and take there, right? Because Newhook is at his best in the way the Avs love to play. You put yes. him on the rush in Colorado, he'll be just fine. Um, it's the half court setup, particularly on the defensive side, but the offensive side as well, where you question a little bit more of, of where he's going to fit in right now. And because you want him as a center, his most of his, yeah. his, his you want the center play to develop. Uh, you want the defense to develop in college. You want him to, to get comfortable with defensive assignments. And, you know, he's playing on, on Boston, uh, uh, Boston college's PK. So yeah. they're, they're giving him opportunities. Like he's leading the nation in shorthanding goals for a reason. So, you know, like if you don't do that unless you're playing shorthanded. So he's getting opportunities and that side of his game is developing. And that's very encouraging that he's getting usage that works on those aspects of his game. I don't know that I would put him on the PK in the NHL. Um, some of that would kind of depend on the roster on hand and what it looks like. But as of right now, I, I think that the new hook development, it's great. Uh, you can only feel very encouraged by it. The safe play is to give him another year. Uh, not only, not only does he get to continue to work on the, the finer aspects of his game, but he's going to be on a very good team. Lots of these guys are coming back and, he gets to physically mature. And this is a big deal for me personally in talking about this new hook. Isn't like itty bitty, you know, like we're not talking about him like as, as like a Cole Caulfield size of player, but not, he's also not big and that's going to make the physical maturity really important for him as well. That he fill out that he physically strengthen his body and that he physically mature some, you know, he's 19, he's barely 19 years old. He just turned 19. It's going to take him a little bit of time to compute, to be able to max out his frame and to totally fill out and develop some of the strength that he's going to need to be successful in the NHL. Another year in college gets him a little bit closer and a little more prepared for that. And I just think it's the safe route. And to be honest, if you if you sign him, where do you play him? Right. It's... The thing with college, especially with what you're saying there, is college only plays on weekends. He can spend all of the offseason, all of next season, all week in the gym, filling out that frame as much as possible. And then 
because he's only 19, because he is a very young birthday, he can go to World Juniors next year, which he will inevitably be on that team considering he missed the team by about one cut this year and many thought he should have been on it. Mm-hmm. So as much as Team Canada might not enjoy him, there's no keeping him off that team next year. And the Abs have always put a lot of value in giving their prospects that opportunity to go to World Juniors and, and develop and showcase themselves on a national stage. So I I really think it's just reality. Uh, kind of the same conversation we had with Cout the other day. Is Newhook on the team next year the difference between winning a cup? I don't really think so. So there's not a ton of reason to rush him. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's at. He can go out and have an incredible NCAA season. Maybe it might even be similar to the path that Byram kind of took, but a year later where Byram had his incredible draft year. And then this year he didn't score as much until the second half, which we'll get to, but worked on the defensive side of his game, worked on very specific things to get him to that NHL ready level. And I think that's kind of what I'm expecting out of New Hook next year. Yeah, I um the the points next year will be like, hey, you he needs to produce something. Yeah. If he goes out and he has a 20 point season in in 40 games next year, that's that's a concern. For sure. I don't know if it's don't sign him concern or you know, how I would totally feel about that. I would kind of want to know how that happened. But you do expect the offense will just be there. I don't know if it'll continue to be there at this high of a level next season. I I don't know. I'm not, not worried about that, but there is still a lot for him to accomplish at that level, which is the big difference between where he's at now and where Byram is at in the WHL. You know, this is his first year making the jump from the BCHL to college hockey Two years, it just feels appropriate, and in two years, you also expect, hey, you're probably going to lose somebody off of your NHL roster to the expansion draft. There's a decent chance that it's a forward. At this point, there's a decent chance that it's a goaltender. I don't know, but there's a decent chance that it's a forward, and this guy can come in and maybe the last year of Kadri's contract, you know, Kadri kind of maybe not grooms, but keeps the seat warm for him while they work him into the lineup and into their center depth. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, goes from three C to a two C over time uh, as, as he and McKinnon kind of become the one, two punch down the middle. Yeah. There's just so many things that make it make sense for new hook to go back one more year. And I mean, Anything's possible as the NCAA playoffs are about to pick up. Maybe he carries Boston College to the championship game and we're having a very different tune in a month. But for right now, even so, even if that happens, honestly, even if that happens, the 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 math on the NHL roster doesn't change. It's just it just. It doesn't, but at a certain point, if Newhook has 60 points in 40 games because he went off in the NCAA playoffs, <laughs> you cut somebody else, right? <laughs> well, and that's that's where you have the conversation because he's a college kid. He's he can you can play him for the Eagles. That's true. You can't and always go the AHL route. The so neither one of us want him to go to the AHL. Not really, no. But 
and I think that probably has to do with lack of trust and anything else. Um, yeah. But if they were to decide to go to the AHL, how do so they sign him and they say, "Hey, we we're gonna we're gonna go, you know, kind of the JT Compa route. We're gonna you're gonna play 50 games in the AHL, and then we're gonna try and call you up. We're gonna try and find a space for you." Now, you know, them being a cup contender and all of this, this is going to make this a little more complicated. But uh, if they decide to go that route, how do they make the most of it? I mean, it's just about opportunity, right? Newhook needs to be playing top six minutes in the AHL every single night and and getting the same offensive opportunities that he's gotten at Boston College this year. Um, The call-up is what it is. I I don't expect this to happen. I really struggle with it because top half of the first round picks that come out of the NCAA, they just don't sign for that. They will stay in college until they're NHL ready and then sign their contract. So it would be a pretty unique situation. For for the record, I don't know the last time that happened. I don't, I can't think of a recent example where a college guy signed and then went to the AHL like for an extended period of time, like a high end, like a first round pick. A uh, college kid goes and and signs and then goes to the AHL for a while, like yeah. mid round guys or, or you know later guys like a guy like Comfer he spent a couple of years in college and then half a season in the AHL guy like Shane Bowers, um, you know in his first AHL season but a later first round pick like not as as high end of a yeah. guy like uh, those routes are very common. But- I. I would say maybe Josh Norris is maybe the best example. Yeah, I guess so. But like generally guys drafted in the top 20, it's not the route they take. And then also you, you put in the factor of, of new hook having an incredible first season there. And it, that's, it's really hard to see that guy spending much of any time in the AHL because of that. Like Norris had to, one season of underproduction, 23 points in 37 games, and then had a second season shortened by injury where he was over a point per game player. Right. So. That's that's the difference between some of the recent examples that I can think of of like like high end college guys who have spent some time in the AHL is like guys like Norris and Paling is that they were multiple years in college hockey. Yep. I can't think of a guy who got drafted and then <laughs> played his freshman year in college. And then went to the AHL. I you just stay in college hockey at that point, right? Yeah, I I think so. I think that it just makes the most sense for yet another reason. And there's no, don't mess with a good thing, right? Yeah. So well, and BC is one of those programs that like you trust. You know that you I, feel good I, about. I mean, I didn't trust it a ton before this year's class, but now you gotta like it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sure, but like that's it's a program that produces a lot of NHL talent is what I'm saying. Like they sure. know they know this process. They understand that they a lot of these guys that are on this BC roster especially right now uh after the incoming class that they had are not four-year players. They're not even going to be three-year players. Like a lot of these guys are just one year, two years and then they're out of there. For sure. A lot of guys going pro on that team. So it's a good environment, to say the least. Um, Yeah, I guess we'll wrap up period one here. Uh, 
open up a Breckenridge brew and, and toast to New Hook's success on the season, whether it be an Avalanche Amber or the New Mile High City, if you're a Nuggets fan or anything in between, be it the Agave Wheats, the upcoming new Nitro Strawberry Vanilla Porter, which looks amazing. Uh, if you want to find anything specific, you can go online to their website and use the Breck Beer Locator. They'll tell you where to find it. You can go out and purchase it in most liquor stores these days, but sometimes they only have specific types. Just keep an eye out for it. As always, give us a tweet. Let us know when you're picking some up. We always give you some love for that. And yeah, also be sure to RSVP to our events where we are always drinking Breckenridge Brew. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits with Rudo and AJ. We've talked about New Hook, but the Avs are in the enviable position of having two prospects that are extremely high-end that are not yet playing professional hockey. The other, obviously, being Bowen Byram. We've talked about him before, but the man has just decided that the WHL is his plaything for the second half of the season. Newhook was on a 10-game point streak. Actually, Byram just snapped it the other night. But before that, he was on a 12-game point streak, averaging two points per game as a defenseman, mind you. Now up over a point per game on the season. And for everyone who was a little bit concerned about his production through the first half of the year... Uh, that's been buried six feet deep at this point. You'd hope so anyway. Yeah. I mean, he's just an animal. And Vancouver has resurged back to a competitive team looking at the playoffs this year, the Vancouver giants, that is uh, with Byram at the helm, basically. And it's been, I don't, I wasn't really too worried about it either way, but, this has left no doubt pretty much that he will be in the NHL next year. Before, before we dive further into this, I really, I'm so curious. Do you think Chicago regrets Kirby doc right now? Boy, that's tough because doc is playing in the NHL for them. Yeah, he's having the same season that Hughes and Kakao are having, so it's it's not like he's not able to hold his own. But, I mean, you look at that defense and you just say, that could right. really use a Byram, man. Right, like you look at Chicago and it's like, was this really the guy that you needed? Yeah. You know, between the reclamation project uh, that is Dylan Strom and, you know, Taves and Kane who going aren't going anywhere, anywhere. Yeah. and Cat's not going anywhere, and now they're getting a big breakout uh, out of uh, out of Kubalik. Like, boy, did they? I mean, is, is this really what they needed? Especially because they they traded one of their more NHL ready young D, which they've been stocking up on for Alex Nylander, which has gone predictably. I mean, Nylander's doing relatively okay. He like, has more points than Doc. He's fine, but... Certainly no top six talent or anything like, like that. Yeah, like it's, it's fine, but it's like how many of those guys are out there and that are available, and, and you gave that, up Yoki Hardyu for that. Doesn't cost you a core D of the future kind of thing. Exactly. Right? Like, 
And maybe Yoki Hardy doesn't end up being being any good, and you know who cares. But it just seems so strange that they continue to ignore that position. And on draft day, Bowen Byron was sitting right there. Yep. And I mean, I believe in Kirby Doc. I think he's going to be a very good NHL player. But boy, you've got to be wondering right now because. It's twofold. It's not only did they not take Bowen Byram, but Bowen Byram landed in Colorado, landed at the in the lap of the team that they are going to be trying to compete with in their own division now. Yep. They have to face that guy every season, five times a season under the current rules anyway. Right. Like Kirby, Kirby Doc is going to be facing Bowen Byram head to head. As is is part of like their shutdown pairing in Colorado. Like I, I was just thinking about this last night because we were talking about the prospect show, and mentally I started putting it together, and was just like Byram in Chicago. If you flip these two, like, doesn't it just make more sense for Chicago at the very least? I mean, don't worry about the new hook thing. Like new hook would, I mean, new hook has gone very, very well and just ignore that. But Kirby doc would have been like your prototype for two C behind McKinnon. Right. Yeah. I like, mean, like a stylistic difference. He's a big guy, a big body. You can't, you can't defend him the same. Like new hook is going to be more of the same with McKinnon. Right. And like, that's exciting in a different way. But it's also something that when a team goes to defend it, they're going to be comfortable with that. It's not going to give you the change of pace, the the different gear that you have to try and defend that Kirby Doc would have. It just seems like if you would have flipped those two guys in the dra- on draft day, just would have made it would have it would have been more logical. And instead, the rich just got richer in both cases. Like Chicago's forward core is arguably the only thing going for that that roster and that organization right now. And Bowen Byram is going to join a defense that has Kale McCarr and Sam Gerrard on it. And then you consider Connor Timmons, and this is the dumbest thing Chicago could have done. What the hell were they thinking? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what they were thinking, but... Like, you're, you have to... They had to have been convinced Kirby Doc is going to be a superstar. Because not only did they pass up on Bowen Byram, but then they turn around and they created a three, potentially four-headed monster on Colorado's defense that's all super young. Yep. The Avs are, are set on D for a long, long time, basically. I just, and what, an, what an incredible piece of potential mismanagement. I mean, and if that, you're the Avs, you just take that W, I think. <laughs> it's right. And, like, had the Avs gotten Kirby Doc, they would have been perfectly fine. Yeah, they would have had they would have had a guy that's going to be a really good player in the NHL as we're seeing him already as an 18 year old. I mean, this is, this has been a good reminder that playing in the NHL as a teenager is hard. Yes, it's an extremely difficult thing to do unless you're truly a special talent. Right. But, and like we're seeing those those top three picks, man, they're, they're they've all yeah. struggled, but they all look like they're going to be really good NHL players someday. It just may not be like right away, kind like of thing, elite yeah. superstar talent. It might just take some time. 
And and now like you have Bo Byram back in Vancouver just who just was like, okay, I'm home from WJC's like it's time to take Vancouver to the Memorial Cup now. Right. He's like, <laughs> All right, I got my gold medal. I guess now it's time to go get the Mem Cup and then yep. I'm on to pro hockey. Like it's he's a special player in his own way. And he's very different from Kale McCarr, which is yep. really, really encouraging. Because as much as we like the turn and burn, like Sam Gerard, Kale McCarr, and like how fun they can be to watch, they don't really work together very well. It's, yeah. It's not, it's just has not like gone the way that you'd hope. And it was kind of predictable in that, like, you're like, eh, this, this could be a lot of puck moving and offensively it looks good, but defensively it doesn't. And, this is where you're like, okay, Bo Byram's going to roll in here and it's going to be fine. He's going to take that job from Ryan Graves. Like, sorry, Gravy. It's happening. It, it's just, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. There's no- <laughs> may not, may not happen overnight, but uh, two years from now, Bo Byram is going to be playing next kill McCarr. Yep. And that's going to be the Evs top pair for the next half a decade. <laughs> and that's, that's going to solve the, like one of the weaknesses that we've talked about with this Avs team about not having a true top pairing. They yep. don't have that. Because Byram's defense is what it is. They they sent him back partially to go work on the defensive details and to to take care of his own end and do that. He's done that. He's advanced that part of his game. He dominates games. Now he's back to being like, okay, well, now I'm just going to destroy everybody offensively as well. He is full cylinder right now, and watching him is insane. Yeah. He... He's the best player on the ice by such a wide margin when he wants to be down there that it's it's ridiculous and it the comparison to Graves is imagine if Ryan Graves could skate basically I don't want to knock Graves he's clearly an NHL player and, right. is, and is perfectly capable but no disrespect to, to to Ryan Graves here at all but Bowen Byram can fly on the skates and he can play defense. He can play offense. He's that two way type of guy, much like Graves has been for the abs, but mm-hmm. also no one can beat him because they can't get past it. Right. It's a it, smaller, smaller body for, for Byram than Graves, Not but, by a ton. <laughs> but higher end. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, so, and it's it, not like yeah. Byram's small. He's what? Six, two. Like, yeah, right. Exactly. Like 6'2", 200 pounds, like, oh, not that, you know? Like, <laughs> what a major and, downgrade in size just because Graves is he can is be plenty five. physical when he wants to be, too. Yeah. So. And that's that'll be the thing with Byron and McCarr, because we've already seen McCarr has no issues putting a depth charge into guys yep. when they step to him. And you combine Byron's willingness to do the same thing with McCarr, and they're going to be maybe the best all-around pairing in the NHL someday. I don't disagree with you. They're both so absurdly confident with the puck as well. <laughs> like, like right now, for my money, if I could pick any pairing to 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 have on my team, I would probably go Wierenski Jones out of Columbus. Yeah, that, and that's nasty. And I think, and I honestly, I think that this pairing has that, I think... Byram McCarr will have that kind of high end, but I think it'll be better defensively. Of those, I think that if you were to put all four of those players in a in a group together, 
I think Wierenski is the worst defenseman, will be the worst defenseman, and then in McCarr, and then Byram, and then Jones. But both of them will be better offensively than Jones, both Byram and McCarr. Yeah, I mean, you could make an argument that McCarr already is, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah. So, very, very exciting stuff there. Um, Byram, obviously, uh, gearing up for the playoffs here. Is there any world, if the Avs get injured or something, can Byram join the Avs potentially, or is that Vancouver team just too good to for him to be able to be a late addition to the playoffs as a black ace or something? Well, I really, I mean, I thought Vancouver's year was last year. I mean, yeah, obviously. Like, uh, the first half of this year for Vancouver wasn't great, but they've seemed to figure it out. And there's there's always something to be said for a team that goes into the postseason with the momentum. Yep. For so. me, that's just wait and see. Whenever Byron becomes available, he becomes available. That's kind of my take on it. Um, if it happens really quickly, like if they if they're out in the first round, kind of thing, um, I would probably i I think no matter what, i I would probably skip the AHL for him. Yeah. And I would just have him in Colorado, in Denver with the Avs, even if it's just practicing, whatever. Sure. Uh, it doesn't feel like a player that needs the AHL, certainly. The 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 thing that I think, the, the, the my reasoning for that is, like, you could make the argument that he, he, t- he signs the ATO and he goes and he plays in the postseason – uh, with the Eagles, a la Zacharensky. A la a lot of guys <laughs> that have done it in the last couple of years. Uh, and he gets playoff experience with the Eagles, and he helps them, and it's good and well and great, and that's that's awesome, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, the thing is, if you're looking at the Eagles' decor, and it would be really easy to put him on it, especially now that Rosen is gone. Yeah. But... I just don't know that he needs it, to be honest with you. Right. And it's like, it's, it's just free experience. Like it doesn't, and doesn't in any way hurt him. The only reason that I would say I would probably prefer him in Colorado is because if they're going to make a multi-round run and one of those guys gets hurt, you're going to have Bo Byram there to, to fill in, or you're going to have Mark Barbario to fill in. Now, one of them's a vet guy who's kind of done it for you. Played in the playoffs uh, last year or two years ago, you know, has has that experience, right? Has played in a playoff game and obviously has played in the NHL before versus just dropping Byram in and being like, hey, good luck. You know, they we saw the same, we saw the success with McCarr last year, just dropping him right in the lineup. And it was fortuitous timing because Sam Gerard happened to be hurt the same exact time. So it was easy to, hey, let's see if McCarr's got this. And so, At the same time, he Bednar still put Makar in over the team seventh D, right? Which and, at the time was kind of Ryan Graves, but and this is where this is where I'm kind of saying, like right now, if if you're Colorado and you sustain an injury, you know you're in Game Three of the second round against Dallas or St. Louis or whoever it is, um. You know, and and Nikita Zadorov goes down. Ian Cole goes down. You've got you you you've either you've got Mark Barbario sitting there, or you can have Bowen Byram sitting there. Which one do you want to take the chance on? Yeah, I, 
And that's, I don't think it's a coincidence that you said Zadorov and Cole there specifically. <laughs> I, I literally just picked two names. I seriously, <laughs> it was not an intentional. I thing. mean, if you're looking at the the defensive side, especially, um, let's face it, we know Barb's can be a little bit up and down on that side. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've specifically had Byron working on that part of his game. It starts to make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> right. And I mean, even if the guy that goes down is Graves. Or sure. Eric Johnson, who, you know, with his injury history, you just never know, right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't, it to, to me, like, which guy goes down doesn't matter. It's just that a guy goes down and you're saying, okay, it's Mark Barbario. Or yeah. or we've got Bowen Byram that's been practicing with the team for two weeks. We can slot him in and see how this goes. You know, you can, you can gamble on the upside there and just hope for the best. Yeah, I... If it were me, I would certainly be gambling on Byram, but I do think it might matter to the abs who goes down. If if someone that's a little bit more offensive-minded gets knocked out, it would be easier to put Barbario in for them, I think, just because they can give him a little bit more freedom and not worry about that defensive side instability. Yeah, But it, why not give Byram a chance there, right? If he if you give him one game and it's a disaster, cool, then you, you tried and you're done. But the talent is so obviously there that I think it's worth the risk to at least try it. If the situation pans out now, well, like, and, and the upside is, is that he has a Charlie McAvoy like impact and gives a jolt to that defense and just makes them even better. Yep. Exactly. If, and, if everyone's healthy, do you play him over any of these six guys or do you just not mess with that and say, Hey, we've got you just in case. Yeah, I think it'd be pretty tough to mess with right now. Um, I would agree. It's, you know, nobody's ever fully healthy in the playoffs is one thing, though. But ultimately, I mean, Byron might be playing in the third round of his playoffs instead, too. So this might not even come to fruition. That's fair. And if Uh, and if obviously if the Eagles get eliminated, then it's like, okay, well. Right. No other choices. Yeah. Like. The way that the playoffs unfold for all the teams involved here could have a major impact on the decisions that yeah. get made. We're just talking about like, hey, if he's available, what it do you do in a perfect sense. world? Right. It makes the most sense for him to be with the abs in some capacity if that does happen. Um, yeah, I, I guess we can wrap up the second period there. Byron was also named player of the month in the WHL because of his insane hot streak. So the abs got two of those. But... In concert with the Legal Pete's and their free beer with a ticket to any event, In Wego is the monthly membership for doing things here in Denver as well as other cities around the country. And it's your one-stop shop for pretty much all those events, whether it be sports, concerts, uh, conventions, and a, pretty much anything else as well. It's all included in one flat membership fee, and you can try it for free. If you use code DNVR within WeGo, you'll get the first month free, which is a $45 value. They have tickets to most sporting events and concerts, so they have almost everything covered. It's kind of like the Netflix of events for your city. They'll just have everything up and listed. You can select whichever one you want and get in easy. You don't have to deal with all of the craziness of going through like Ticketmaster or secondhand websites for tickets. 
they just cover it all with their one flat fee. It's it's really an amazing service. Highly recommend you check it out. And just remember to use code DNBR and let them know who sent you. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Nathan Rudolph and AJ Hayfley. We've talked about the big two, the the obvious conversations there, but there are plenty of other prospects in the system, and there's going to be conversations around some of them this offseason on whether the Ev should sign them, what their future path should be. Uh, one of the obvious ones, uh, we've talked about this guy all the way back at the start of the year and in the offseason, Cam Morrison in his senior year at uh, Notre Dame. This is the Avs' last chance to give him, well, this offseason will be the Avs' last chance to give him a contract. It sounded like there was probably something on the table there last year, but Morrison ended up going back. I mean, there aren't a ton of expectations anymore at this point out of Cam Morrison, but is that someone that they can at least drop into the AHL and see what they got at this point? It is, uh, you know, the production is basically identical to his entire career. Yep. No growth whatsoever. It's the same. It's, it's the same. Like, and his freshman year was good. Like you 24 points in 40 games. Like you're feeling good about that. And then he had 23 points and then 21 points. And this year he has 25 points. Woo! Like there's been no growth. Yeah. Just, Nothing if not consistent, I guess, but right. It's, it's been uh, kind of disappointing, to be honest, that this is a guy who was a who was drafted because he was a big body goal scorer. You know, he scored a lot of goals in the OJHL. He scored a lot of goals in the USHL in the one year he played there and then shows up in Notre Dame. And, you know, his one year in the USHL, he scored 34 goals. His three most productive seasons at Notre Dame, including this one, 34 goals combined. So it just hasn't, it has not gone the way that the abs were hoping with him. You know, it's, he's a big guy, does not skate very well, but was supposed to be a big goal scorer. And he's basically spent four years at Notre Dame standing in front of goaltenders. Pretty much goes to one spot. Yeah. There's not a lot of, uh, there's, there's not a lot of variety to the game. It's a very meat and potato game and Notre Dame just hasn't asked him to do a whole lot. They basically have said, Hey, go, go do this. And you know, the, 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 the only really interesting thing about his career is that he keeps scoring clutch goals in the NCAA tournament with multiple overtime goals. Yep. He seems to have a knack for the big goal anyway, but uh, that, you got to do more than that to, right, to like, carve out a great. roster spot. Yeah, but that's not going to get you an NHL contract on its own. Uh, you know, he does turn 22 this year. So if he were to sign an ELC, it would only be a two year ELC instead of a three. Yep. And they could honestly entice him and say, hey, we'll burn off the first year of it if you want. Right. To and- get him a closer a year closer to a second contract, but I don't think he's a high enough caliber prospect to warrant any of that kind of nonsense. I think he could use the two year ELC to just go to the Eagles and actually prove that he belongs in the NHL somewhere. Yeah. Um, barring a return to the player he was in, uh, the USHL, it's really hard for me to see room for him on the abs. And, 
you know, maybe he goes to the Eagles and is a very good piece and, and figures it out and can become a player somewhere. But every day it seems like that window is closing very, very quickly. Yeah, I mean, you you needed to see the so with college kids, it's the junior year that you're yeah. really looking for. Uh, college draftees, I should say, is the ones where you're really looking for the big league. Yeah. And that's when you want to get him signed after the junior year. You know, the abs talked with him. Uh, I talked with him and he said that he turned the abs down last year. And so there that, you go. And that he wanted to go back to his senior, go back for his senior year and dominate college hockey and kind of take the next step that has not happened. And so I don't, if I'm the abs, I don't even know if I'm offering him a deal. I probably will because again, a two year ELC. Um, Pretty you, easy to manage. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it just, you know, you've waited four years. Why not? Why not get him out of Notre Dame, get him into your system and see if he has something to give you. He's he gives you a totally different style. He's a big guy uh, that plays a physical game, and you know after four years at Notre Dame, certainly understands the defensive side of the puck. So why not? Why not just give him a? I would do it just to say why not. It's a two year deal. You can you could burn off the first year if you wanted this year, and then you're talking about you you've got him next year as essentially an extended tryout. I mean I. I don't see any downside in it. Like I, you know, like you, you worry about, Oh, well, who's, whose job is he taking? You know, he's probably taking the spot of one of the guys that they've, they've demoted to the ECHL anyway. So I'm, you know, and maybe he ends up one of the guys being demoted to the ECHL. He and Brandon Sajan end up in Utah together. You know, I'm, I just don't, I would sign him. You've waited four years. Just see what you got with him. And, if it doesn't work out, then you didn't at this point, you don't have high expectations. The only reason not to sign them is if you're worried about the 50 contract limit. And that's never been a real problem. It's such an easy thing to get around. So, well, and the abs are certainly not they've in recent years too. They've been, yeah, they haven't even been close really. But. <clears throat> right. And right. Even right now today, they're sitting at 46. Yeah. So, Plenty got, of room, yeah, yeah, they, and they've got plenty of room to let some of these guys go uh, after this year. You know, they they can let you know Mark Alt and Kevin Connaughton and Jason Magna leave. I would prefer they keep TJ TJ Tynan, please. I like him, but they the point is, is that they have a little bit of room, and they aren't going to have a major influx of contracts. Right, they have internal replacements at this point. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, it is what it is. There was a little bit of talk of Sajan possibly going to free agency being a senior. He would become a free agent on August 15th. I just don't think there's going to be contract interest there, really. I don't know what his market would be if Morrison ended up doing that. I honestly don't know. So I, if, if that's if that's the decision that he makes, then more power to him. Dennis Smirnov in that same position, although far less intriguing of a player. Uh, yeah. I don't I don't know that anyone would give Smirnov a contract. Um, I, I mean that might be a guy where it's like, hey, give him an ATO and let him let him practice with the Eagles and if he looks like a player, maybe give him an AHL contract next year. Yeah. I, that fine, sure. But like, an, an NHL deal seems like a stretch for that kid. Uh yeah, no. That's I would not be giving Dennis Smirnov an AHL deal. I would give Cam Morrison one. Uh, we're in the NCAA. You mentioned junior years being big. The abs have two players finishing up their sophomore year in Ranta and Weiss. 
we, I think everyone pretty much universally agrees he needs to stay. He needs to continue filling out that tiny frame of his. Um, very encouraging, a, though. Yeah, he's had a very solid year offensively. 18 assists, very much in his style of game. Um, I do still think he needs to drive play a little bit more than create for others. But after a, an up and down first year with a lot of injuries, he's been healthy this year. He's done what he's been asked to do. And it's just a, a matter of overcoming that size in his junior year a little bit. Um, yeah. Ranta, some people have talked about it as a potential signing. Personally, I just don't see it. The offensive consistency just isn't quite there. I think he needs a little bit more. I think he's taken some very good steps this year. I think his defensive game has significantly improved. It's still not good, but it's not a disaster. Um, He's shown, excuse me, a lot of more engagement, we'll say, uh, in the games. He's working quite a bit harder on the ice. So I, I think there's a lot of good things there. It's just too early. Yeah, I think one more year uh, for Ranta. I think that he has taken meaningful steps towards breaking out. And if Colorado's system was in a weaker position, I think it would be a louder conversation. But because there are so many solid Forbes um, already in Loveland with the Eagles, I'm not in a hurry there. I I just don't think that it needs to be something that they rush. And that one more year at Minnesota will do him plenty of good. He's taken steps forward this year. It's been a, it's been an encouraging season, and I'm feeling a lot better about Sampo Ranta as a prospect today than I was a year ago. Yep, I mean, definitely we're not a, a Sampo stand in his first year. I remember, but yeah, well, I was pretty was pretty against that draft pick. Um, kind of going through the other abs forwards, Kovalenko will have one more year on his KHL deal, so that's yep. not a thing. Um. Steinberg is a freshman, obviously going to go back for a second year. Uh, in the CHL, Bokaj and Mutala will have another year there. They'll have their 19-year-old season. Um, not, would, you, would you sign Mutala after the year that he's had? No, nah, you can't. I mean, sign him maybe. I, I'd give him a contract because I love him, but it, it, the contract wouldn't matter because he's going back to juniors next right. year. Like Both of those guys are going back to juniors no matter what, but we are in that season of signing signing deals now. I mean, I would. I, the Avs never seem to really do that, but they they'll do it for the guy who's going to turn pro the next season, and yeah. it, it that's it is what it is. Like um, we saw, they signed Nick Henry immediately last year on March first. Yep. yep. Which I think that's exactly what will happen for Mutala in twenty twenty one and Bokaj. Bokaj too. Yeah. Uh, both having very very good seasons. You can. Read more about that in the the prospect portfolio. The one, other than Byram, obviously, who's already signed, the one player the Avs could look to sign and jump to pro over the offseason is Luca Burzan, who is 20 now. Uh, if he were to go back to juniors, it would be an overage season, and a very overage season is that. He would spend the second half of it at age 21, basically. Yeah. Um, his season has gotten significantly better. Uh, the Brandon team kind of figured out a lot of things in the second half of the year. And Burzan is the type of player that plays much better when he has talent around him. I still not a very good team. It's not, but it's decent. It's not the disaster that the team Utala is playing on. Um, 
it's it's a weird spot because it feels to me like the Avs kind of have to sign him here. Uh, otherwise, they're saying something weird has happened in the drafting process. We saw it play out with Sajin exactly, and you know what? It turned out Sajin really struggled in pro this year, but you can't keep spending draft picks on guys to send them back for overage years and just kind of waste time with them. Yeah. With Burzin, I would say you have, you have to have a plan. Yeah. like That's a good way to put it. What If you sign him and you bring him into pro, what do you want him to do? What role do you want him to play? What do you envision him actually accomplishing for you? Um, Sajin should have been a lesson for them when they drafted Burzan last year. Now, Sajin was, uh, he'd already been eligible for the draft twice when he was taken. Yep. So he's in a little bit different of a spot where his D plus one was an overage year. Like he was, you know. Right. Like, it, immediately into his overage year. Yeah. But. With, with Burzan though, I, I, yeah, I, if you don't if you don't sign him now, then the real question is why would you wait a year to sign him? What's he going to get out of it? Right. And I don't know that the answer is meaningful. And if you do sign him, like the last thing you want to do is see him end up in Utah with the Grizzlies. Yeah. It <sighs> They've got to you stop know, using the ECHL team like it's a legitimate development avenue. It's right. not. It it just isn't and the conversation is either sign him and put him in the AHL or have a conversation with your draft staff and say, we have to stop drafting these guys because we're not using them in our system. The right. abs have not, there's a weird disconnect there. Otherwise, unless right. something is not on the same page and it needs to get straightened out. Well, it's, it's, and the, there are disconnects between pro and amateur staffs. Of where- course. You know, Alan Heppel is looking at it and says, hey, look, my job is to find you the guys that we like at at the picks that we have and the spots that we have. And, you know, last year famously said we got beat up a little bit today, you know, that some of the guys they wanted to take. Uh, sorry to bring this up again, but some it's of the okay, guys I'm they want right now, some of you don't lie. <laughs> some of the guys they wanted to take got got snatched right before, you know, they were on the clock. So it's. You know, it's it's a spot where they do have to be on the same page for a guy like Luca Burzon because if you're going to sign him, you need to know what you're going to do. And if you're not going to sign him, then you're 100% correct. The, they need to stop drafting these kids because it will be twice in the last two years that they've drafted these guys and then not done anything with them. If you're going to draft guys who are who have already gone through the draft before and are not and are not goaltenders, you have to understand they have an accelerated timeline. You can't just leave them there to sit like they're regular CHL kids. They're they're a year ahead of them. You've got to be prepared to do something with them, and that just has that has not manifested itself yet. Uh, and just talking, just saying all this out loud, it, it just feels so obvious that uh, they're not going to sign him and that he's going to go yeah. play for Brandon next year and we're just going to throw our hands up in the air and be like, what's the what's the plan? I'm pretty much expecting at this point and I'll be disappointed when it happens. So, 
Well, at least Sasha Matala had a big breakout year. Yep. He sure did. On a really bad that. team. I love that player. I think he's everything the Ev system needs. Uh, you're talking about a guy that what's are they on the same page in pro and the drafting staff there i absolutely think they are on mutala they should um, be i mean that's that's another one like you just i would i would honestly give him and bokash both contracts right now yeah sure those are those are both guys i know i want to see in pro regardless of what happens next year it's very very obvious they've at least earned the ahl opportunity already yeah definitely um, i mean a, nothing against mutala but especially bokash uh, I think Mutala's earned it more, but like, I mean, Mutala's doing more with less. But I like how many how many times have we seen those guys? Like, it, my thing with Mutala is that one, I still have a sour taste in my mouth from that rookie showcase where he just he was so yeah, bad, it, man. It was brutal. He it was, was so bad. bad, and that's that's hard to get out of your head when you see a guy live like that, and it's just it's that bad. And and that's unfair of me. I get that. He'll he'll probably be awesome in the, in Arizona this next year, and I'll get over it. But uh, the other thing is is that uh, Bocage has an NHL skill. He has an NHL skill. I think that's Mutala what I is said. Significantly more rounded. That's what I said. He has an <laughs> NHL skill. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying Bocage should get the ELCs because and that one NHL skill is very 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 valuable. And, you know, when you have an elite shooter, you just roll with it, man. I guess. I, I mean, I think he also has one pretty clearly not NHL skill at the moment as well. Which you got to work on. But that's that's why we're not talking about dropping him into the NHL right now. We're, you know, he's going to go back to junior next year and develop. Yeah. And then he's to go to the AHL for a year or two. Yep. I just kind of the reality. Mutala likely a very similar path. Um, yeah. Oh, I they'll probably have identical paths. Yeah. So, which yeah, the, great job with your fifth round pick. If, if if your fifth round pick and your third round pick are impressing you so much that they're on identical tracks and that that includes ELCs, you can make the argument you've done very well. Absolutely. I I think Mutala is an unbelievably good pick for the fifth round. But oh, dude, a hundred fortieth. Yeah. I mean, you take the wins where you can, for sure. As we're kind of wrapping up here, the one other guy that I think, I don't know if I want to say realistically has a chance to get signed, because I don't think he will sign, but there should be a conversation there with Eustace Annanen. We've talked about it in the past. There's a very good chance he stays in the Liga and gets his cushy job behind one of the best teams in the league, but if he's willing to come over, if he wants to get some time in the AHL, the Avs very well should probably make room for him. Do you think they, uh, if he wants to come over, then totally agree. But if they don't, uh, or if he does not want to come over, are, are they fine? Honestly, like Hunter Miska has been such a revelation this year. And Adam Warner, obviously you just keep rolling. Like, do you even qualify Antoine Bebo? And you just roll back Hunter Miska and Adam Werner again. Now that Francois is extended, I think it's very easy to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, there's you can run your four goalies. Um, Werner, I think they need to trust a little bit more to be that number three next season anyway. 
if someone does go down, like why is Werner in this organization if he can't be that number three or Miska, sure, whichever. Um, If you're down to your fifth goalie, uh, that's just something you have to deal with in season. That's something you can't really prepare for all that well. Sure. I mean, we're seeing it right now. They had to trade for Michael Hutchinson. Right. That (laughs) when you have that many injuries, you just deal with it. Um, It is what it is. So I think it would be perfectly fine assuming Annan doesn't want to come over to just run Werner Miska in the AHL and would play the hot hand whatever if you need a third goalie whichever one is performing well will do just fine so Peter Kavacha he fit in this anywhere no, for you there's just no way he with what Annan and, and Werner have done I don't see how he fits in unless the Avs really want to give him some ECHL time and a hope on a prayer on a two-year deal. I, they can, I like, I wouldn't hate it, but I just don't see the point. Well, they've got another year to make that decision on Kavacha. Like they don't right. have to do that now, but I think uh, it'll be very telling if he comes over for development camp this year or not, how they feel about him. Probably would make a whole lot of sense. Um, I He's had a bounce back year. And that's the only reason that I bring him up is because he had a totally lost season last year. And we were like, well, that's not great. But this year he has, he's at least earned a job. It's, I mean, yeah, he's playing in the Czech one. He moved up to that league and he's been very solid, but you also have Trent Miner sitting right there who has not had a great season, but you have an extra year with Miner too. Right. Exactly. And there's just not room for both of those guys. That's sort of the problem is that Miner and Kavacha are both uh, up at the year. same time, yeah. Yeah, and again, this goes back to one reason why I think the Avs stopped drafting CHO goaltenders. Such a short timeline. Right, because you have to make a decision on them really quickly, and if the Avs had to make a decision after two years on Adam Werner, he probably wouldn't be here. I Annanen, honestly, is the only one in recent history yep. before, I guess, Martin. But after that, Annanen would be the only one on a two-year plan that the Avs would likely have signed. So, Yep. And Annanen, if he doesn't want to come over this year, and I don't expect that, that's, that he'll want any part of that, they should be pushing hard for him next season. Yeah, 100%. I mean... At the end of next season, you're looking at Annan and you say, look, you can come over and be the AHL starter right away. We'll give you the opportunity at that point. Um, it's going to be a little weird, realistically, working with Werner or trying to move him there. But uh, maybe they can even run, hey, look, earn the job. We'll give both of you tandem and the better is the better, like they did with uh, Picker tonight Acalio a while ago. But. It's at a certain point when you've shown the talent, it's just time to get to North America and and get on that ice and do the thing. So that's, that's kind of all I got. Shout out to Shamil Shmakov's insane off ice story this year, which has been nuts. Um, Very weird. But other than that, any final thoughts, AJ on the Avs prospects as they stand? No, uh, no love for Drew Hellison here, huh? Went through I mean, an entire prospect pod and didn't say his name once. He's solid, but yeah, he's, he's been out with injury. Guy. He's gonna go back for sure next year. It it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. That's a he's a three year guy. So, yep, just kind of reality. Uh, 
for anyone like Hellison that we didn't talk about again, Prospect Portfolio will be out soon if you're subscribed to DNBR. If you're not, consider signing up for a membership because, you know, we like having jobs and you guys support us and you're amazing and it helps us a lot. So well thank said. you if you already are. <laughs> we like having jobs. Well said. It, it's true. <laughs> it's not a lie. So yeah. Yep. Spot the lie. There is none. <laughs> so I guess on that note, we'll get out of here. Uh, as Strava craft says, drink deeply, live fully and like your job. Uh, <laughs> Strava craft is the rich CBD infused coffee that you can now purchase in K cups as well as whole bean or ground. If Keurig is not your thing, you can use code DNBR 20 to get 20% off your purchase. When you go online, you could order it there and you can get it shipped right to your door. And you can also try it in and around Denver in a number of places. Just look it up. You can give it a shot before you buy. The CBD is not psychoactive and it can help with long-term migraines, decreasing anxiety, arthritis, IBS, and many other aches and injuries. Just give it a shot. Use code DNVR20. That's it for us. As always, thank you for listening. We will be back again tomorrow. Hey,